Welcome to Soundstage Insider, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the film and television industry. We're bringing you the visionary directors and producers, the talented cinematographers, editors, sound designers, and more who really make the magic happen. We delve deep into their stories, their struggles, and their triumphs. So let's go beyond the red carpet and discover a fascinating world of behind-the-scenes talent. So this... I don't know what this is. This is a brand new thing. I just came up with this concept the other day after editing today's or this week's episode. And we are following up on Rachel Morrison and Dan Trachtenberg's episode this week. And I'm joined by Kyle Marie Colucci. And she is an indie filmmaker and producer. And well, why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I am an actor, director, and producer. Um, I have a small woman-owned production company called Pirate Girly Productions, girly with a U. Um, And I primarily, I've been acting all of my life and went to USC to study acting. Uh, That's what brought me to Los Angeles. And then, (laughs) funny enough, I never... Well, I'm sure a lot of people sort of stumble into filmmaking depending on where they're at in their life, but I never intended to be a filmmaker. I didn't, you know, I went to the USC school. Well, it was School of Theater at that time. It is now called School of Dramatic Arts. But I did not go to the USC School of Cinematic Arts, (laughs) which would have been their film school. But we did have cool... um, classes that we shared together, kids from the cinematic arts school and kids from the dramatic arts school so that we could learn how to work together like in a set, on set setting. So really, (laughs) directing and producing came about for me because I wanted new material for my acting reel. And I wanted it to look like it came off of your television screen. And so I had a, I asked a friend, Alyssa Appleton, she's incredible, uh, writer. And I was like, Hey, um, I want new acting real material. And would you write me three different things that, you know, I can get a team together to shoot? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And she like hammered them out and they were all fantastic, of course. So. I directed and produced those and they turned into sort of like short films rather than just, um, you know, little clips that I might, I mean, I ended up clipping it out for my reel, but they were really holistic beginning, middle and end little shorts. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, These look really good. (laughs) Like my DP, Travis Prow, shot all three of them for me. They look like they came off of your television screen, which is exactly what I wanted. So I actually took a couple of them to film festivals and the latest one that I did, AE1, I directed and produced and starred in that one. I was, funny enough, playing an AI in human form and uh, like all of Westworld, you know, I was inspired by Westworld. Um, And that short actually won best sci-fi short at two film festivals. Um, I won best actress for it at another film festival and... Huge. Yeah. Very wonderful response from friends and supporters and and festivals. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we I think we did a thing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so and I was like, I had I've always joked that I have too many ideas to be an actor, but acting is my first love. Like, I'm always going to be an actor that's never going to go away. And I think what my 
brain had been telling me at the time that I didn't have the words for yet was, no, you're an actor and also you need to be behind the camera. Mm. And so when I got to make, you know, <laughs> you know, getting to be in the director position, I was like, Ooh, I like being in charge. <laughs> now, you know, it's all, it's all collaborative, right? It's a collaborative medium, but I was like, Oh, these are the different types of muscles that I can exercise as an artist that's not just acting now. I'm, you know, producing and, and directing and having my hand really in all aspects of the project. I'm producing a horror fan film right now called Scream the Fan Favorite. And uh, through my production company, Pirate Girly. And that, that's it's my first feature that I've produced. Up until now, I've just directed and produced shorts. And so, um, yeah, it's been a glorious challenge. It's been a glorious challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you said it all. Yeah, well, that is perfect because what we're doing today is we're getting your response from an indie perspective. Because Dan and Rachel are stratospherically successful. They're working on amazing, amazing projects. They're really into the, well into their careers. And that's wonderful. And we love hearing from them. But I wanted to get the indie response to that. Someone earlier in their career. That's what we're doing today. We're getting your response to that. So first off, let's talk about Rachel's interview first, because that, that was the first one on the episode. Was there anything that jumped out to you and at least initially when she when we dived in talking to Rachel yeah something that both uh Dan and Rachel mentioned but you know we'll, we'll start with Rachel first was creating that collaborative environment on set right which is always makes everybody's job not necessarily easier easier but more fun during the workday at least but you know something specifically that I love that she said is you know the best idea for this particular shot or this particular moment could come from the third electric, you know? And if you have a team, if you surround yourself with people who not only love what they do, but are good at what they do, there's a trust built there to where, you know, if they have an idea and they speak up and you've created that environment where it's okay to speak up, they probably know what they're talking about. <laughs> and it's probably going to make the scene better. And so I I appreciate um, her saying that because there can sometimes sort of be like this, ooh, the the director, you know, it's like, yeah. ooh. Um, but, you know, none of us can do any of our jobs without each other. And so um, I like that she said, you know, the idea of creating an environment where people aren't afraid to say, something because they know that their expertise will be respected and considered, you know, whether or not you use it, trying it at least. Um, yeah. I do, you know, and I'm sure that I imagine that that is able to happen more often in larger budget productions, because when you're, <laughs> we'll get into a little bit of the amazing madness of shooting uh, Scream the Fan Favorite. But, you know, when you're on a tight schedule in, in one location, which nobody just has extra time on a production, <laughs> like there's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's never enough time. But that's condensed even further, of course, when it's indie filmmaking. And so sometimes somebody might have a great idea and there's just simply not 
time to have other voices you know it's like what is the director's intent here like what do we need to say get the shot and then move on and so sometimes it can sort of feel like you're checking boxes and then at the end of the day you're like oh, i hope we were creative at some point <laughs> today <laughs> so I'm looking forward to being on more sets where that's more possible to have a little bit more air uh, because so far it's been real tight when it comes to having time to sort of explore and be collaborative in the moment versus like in pre-production or at the end of the day or, or what have you. So yeah, I liked that bit about what she said. Yeah, I, I agree. And it was, it was funny that both of them independently without my prompting said the same thing you know i do wonder as it relates to a more indie production if you know because you said there was a budgetary limitation and time limitation as well but i wonder if when it's a more indie production the the roles are not as clearly defined because everyone's kind of pitching in and they're on a show like for example mandalorian the director is clearly the director and, and can then canvas opinion or create that culture. But do you wield that same power as a director on an indie set when everyone's kind of figuring stuff out, still trying to like prove themselves? Like, are those roles as defined? It's really interesting. I have about a thousand and twelve thoughts running through my head as you say <laughs> that. Um, so for me, I. I like to run my sets professionally. I don't care how indie they are. I don't care how small the budget is. It doesn't matter to me. I want my crew and cast to feel safe and taken care of at all times. You know, um, I want it to be professional and there has to be a level of, because we don't have the luxury of, of time or redoing things, we do have to make sure we get the shot, we get what we need. So, you know, I like to, whether I'm directing or in this case on Scream the Fan Favorite, I'm, I'm you know, head of production, I'm producing, I wanted to create an environment where we're having fun. You know, we all know each other or met each other on, on this set. A lot of people have worked together before or were in acting classes or whatever uh, before. But I wanted our director, Tyler, to feel respected in his role as director mm. and um and he and i are producing partners on this movie and you know at a certain point i i do think it's important which can start the conversation right about egos and like having a positive attitude on set no matter who you are from cast to crew um, there isn't really a lot of space for diva energy on an indie set, right? And so, you know, I I want to have fun. And at the end of the day, as head of production, I have so much to do. There does have to be structure. So we don't necessarily have, have the time or the luxury to sort of hear someone's, oh, well, what if we did this this one time? You know, if we've got it, we've got it. Um, but I... There are certainly, you know, on Scream the Fan Favorite, you know, one of our actors was helping with like the blood effects. Um, we have another actor who did like BTS photography, you know, so there there were several people on this production uh, wearing a lot of hats. Myself, I'm wearing about 17 hats on this film. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, lines can be blurred, but 
and it can be a good thing because sometimes you just need the hands. And on the other hand, it can actually sometimes be more important to have more structure just because there simply is less time. So I tried to find that balance because, you know, too many voices is like, now we've just spent 32 minutes we don't have talking about how to walk down this hallway. And I really just don't need anyone else's opinion, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a balance for sure. And it's not an easy job, you know, it's not easy work. Long days, sometimes overnights, like, you know, dealing with weather and location and, you know, technical stuff going down. When you're working on a shoestring and maybe you're not paying people as much as they could be earning, you know, somewhere else, like, is it harder to push people when you know that the, you know, the compensation maybe isn't there? Like, it maybe you could do on a bigger production? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I... I respect however anyone feels about what they want to get paid, what they deserve to get paid, you know, how they want to show up for their creativity if 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 they know that they're not getting paid. It's very difficult and there are some times when some people are getting paid and some people aren't getting paid and mm. <sighs> I have deep feelings about that which I don't know <laughs> if that's off topic, but you know it's tough, right? Because like, as an actor, there's always has been an expectation that actors will show up for free because we just want to work. And unfortunately, we tend to be the first people to not get paid. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes people will say, well, you're, you'll have real material, right? You'll you have something substantial and tangible. The you know, location sound mixer doesn't have a reel, So he has to be paid. And it's it's very tough because I've been on, I've been in all the situations. I've been in the situations where no one gets paid. I've been in the situations where everybody gets paid. And I've been in the situation where some people do and some people don't. And just sometimes, oftentimes it ends up being actors. We just fucking love it so much. We just wanna do our thing. <laughs> and so when other people are like creating stories and letting us play in their world, I mean, it's, it's again that balance of showing up for yourself and saying yeah this is what i deserve but also i have to make art or i'm gonna die (laughs) so it's like yeah i have to show up you know so i if somebody you know i don't think you know anybody necessarily phones it in if they're if they're not getting paid that's not true um (laughs) i'm thinking of a crew member who will remain unnamed <laughs> they did that name them <laughs> name them <laughs> i cannot i will maintain decorum but you know overall i think people want to be creative and it's at the end of the day if if it's if it's not working for us we have to change it or we have to stop but it's it's your choice to show up it's your choice you know if you know what the compensation is it's tough and I hate it, but you know, you have to do it if you want to do it. And if it's not okay with you, then don't do it. You know, that's okay too. That's okay to say, oh, this is an unpaid project. I'm sorry, I'm not taking unpaid work right now and like stand in your ground with that. And I respect that. So it's just, it's so subjective. But I think if you do, what I will say, if you do sign up for and agree to a project, regardless of the pay, whether it's little or nothing, if you've said yes, then show up. 
If you've yeah. said yes, then don't show up with an attitude of I'm too good for this. And because I'm not getting paid, I'm not going to treat people with respect. Like I won't, will I don't allow that, <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't complain after the fact <laughs> or certainly make sure it doesn't come back around to production, you know, cause it's like, if you've committed, then commit. And, yeah. uh, and if it's not okay for you, then don't commit. But cause it just, it makes it a stickier work environment when, you know, when that continues to be at play. So if you're going to agree to unpaid work, then show up or don't agree to it. Like show up fully in the best work that you can offer. Otherwise don't do it. And assuming that all cards are on table from day one, everyone knows, oh, so-and-so is getting paid. I'm not, I'm choosing to do this project for my reel rather than for my bank account. Everyone's at different stages of their career. Sometimes it's more valuable like you said, to get something for your reel rather than just, you know, having, you know, 200 bucks or whatever, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's like that trifecta people talk about of whether or not to take a project. It's like either it pays really well, you're working with great people, or the project is really fantastic. And if you can get two of the three, oh, you're golden. But sometimes you only just need one of the three, <laughs> yeah. you know, to justify taking the project. So uh, yeah, you have to, it's so subjective. You have to decide that for yourself as an artist, how you wanna, how you're capable of showing up and you know, what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah, and you have to be strategic and in sort of any career, really, particularly, you know, if, if maybe you're getting pigeonholed in one thing and you want to experiment in another area, but no one's giving you an opportunity, this is, and that's your only opportunity to demonstrate your skills or prowess in a different area, you know, that's the only way to do it. Um, right. What else? What else stood out for you from Rachel's interview? I think unpopular opinion, potentially. Okay. I think it can sometimes be a trap to offer advice if it's not something you have experience in yourself, right? Like we, you know, two fantastic directors, obviously, like as you're saying, stratospheric success and what have you, but they didn't come up in the space where my peers and I are coming up in creating your own work. So I think it can be equal parts helpful and unhelpful to say, oh, there's no excuse for you to not be out shooting short films on your iPhone every weekend. If you haven't done that, then you don't know what that looks like in practice. It's also not a reasonable expectation. <laughs> we, you know, if creativity isn't paying all of your bills, think about all the people that it takes to, to make anything, you know, scheduling wise. So. I mean, and I don't know if she said every, you know, once every weekend, but, you know, I think I have personally experienced numerous times and, uh, you know, my peers have as well that people throw around the phrase, create your own work. And they point to, oh, look at high maintenance, look at insecure, look at, I don't know if Abbott Tangerine. Elementary would technically, yeah, yes. So it's like, yes, fantastic pieces of art on their own. And those are three examples of 300,000 examples of filmmakers creating their own work. So yeah. I do think it can turn into dangerous territory when we say you should do this or, oh, just do this. When, as Rachel also astutely pointed out, it's oversaturated. 
So it's yeah. like, do make your own work, but also know that it doesn't matter. So it's like, it's unless you've been in the trenches doing that, creating your own work, I think it can sometimes be an easy thing to say just, well, you should be doing that. Um, and then, you know, to something that Dan said, sure, like shoot a bunch of shit, whatever in your backyard on your iPhone. And then there comes to a point where you're taking it seriously and you're looking at it from a filmmaker's perspective and saying, how do I improve on this, that, and the other? And I, I know that that's, that's where I'm at. I, you know, even making those three shorts for for the acting material, I was like, I don't want this to look like it came off my iPhone. I want it to look like it came off your television screen. And so the higher quality you want, the higher quality artists you're collaborating with, the more time it takes and the more money it takes. And it's not always just free to create your own stuff, you know? So I, I'm not interested in, in just shooting just to shoot. I'm now in the crafting stage of like, what is it? What is my voice as a filmmaker and how am I discovering that? And it's not free and it's not easy. And I'm certainly not interested in taking the easy way out of anything. <laughs> you know, one short film can take a year from start to finish right? Depending on who's paying for it. And <laughs> there's only so many crowd funds that you can post on social media <laughs> that people will want to support. And I say that as we have a post-production finishing funds crowdfund up for Scream the Fan Favorite right now. But um, it's tougher than just saying, create your own work. And every indie filmmaker will tell you that that's the case, that people throw it around. But oftentimes, it's the people that haven't actually done that or aren't doing that, or they didn't have to come up that way. They yeah. were in the trenches for sure in a different way because the industry was different. So like they were in their trenches. Now we're in our trenches, you know? So I think that even before people create their own work, I think it actually, the intention needs to start earlier. It needs to be, or in my perspective, what does success look like to me as an artist, as a filmmaker? And then sort of working backwards from there, because if you don't know how you're going to be fulfilled in your own life, then you're always going to be what everybody else is telling you you should be doing to make it, you know? And let's be honest, the industry doesn't care. The industry doesn't care about any one person, you know? Um, maybe you get industry recognition and maybe you don't. And can you be fulfilled even if if the if the latter situation happens you know and so it's like what am i doing this for okay then this is why i would create this story because this is what i want to achieve with it you know and so instead of just oh somebody told me i should i have an iphone so oh i have an obligation to shoot something let me just throw something together because i should uh so stop shooting on yourself and have an intention with the art that you're trying to create. Mm. So yeah, strong feelings. About <laughs> it's like, it's helpful and, and can also be unhelpful, you know? And I think it's with, with advice like that, it's situation dependent, right? Because you don't get that many opportunities in your life to do that process start to finish. If you're wanting to become a great pianist or something, I don't know, you can practice your rudiments every day. You can practice your scales. You can, you can essentially do the finished thing 
immediately every day and build up your 10,000 hours. So, mm-hmm. um, and I know the 10,000 hours thing has sort of been debunked, but you know, the, 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 <laughs> the legwork of doing the thing. Right. But with filmmaking, I guess, for someone very early in their career, the more they get to mess around with lighting and framing and script writing and editing and you know all the all the things like Dan was talking about they get a lot of the cheese out you know they get the experimentation yes. out but then at the yeah. at some point <laughs> that has to transition the rubber has to meet the road at some point to it actually meaning it isn't just to torture this analogy a bit more you're needing to play gigs you're needing to play for people and and that's got to have some value yeah well especially when you consider the business aspect of it right investors want to make money they want to know how they can make money to sell this film right so nobody's gonna sit there and be like oh you shot this cute your dog in the backyard playing ah so touching here's two million dollars to make that a feature film you know there does have to be that that stepping up that that transition like like you're saying and and so yes i think especially if you didn't go to film school right then your training is going to be on a set hopefully you know mine certainly was in terms of the filmmaking aspect of it i mean i've been acting all my life and luckily i've you know been a a little bit of a sponge as an actor on sets and like seeing other what other people are doing on the inside but yeah if you didn't go to film school exactly get the cheese out learn how to light something properly totally there's absolutely utility in it and it's only going to take you so far and depending on what your definition of success as an artist is you know for me I will feel successful when I'm paying all of my bills with creative work. That's my definite, my personal definition of success as an artist in what it means to me. And uh, I have a tendency, I'm working on, (laughs) I'm working on celebrating the small wins along the way, you know, winning a Mm. film festival, winning an acting trophy. Woohoo. My friends were more excited about that than I was. Uh, you know, and it's just, I think along with defining what success means to you, like you have to celebrate the small stuff, which I I usually don't. And so I, I have to work on that because otherwise, it, you know, it's just going to kill you if you're always thinking, am I ever going to get here? Because that feels, you know, a million miles away. And that's not helpful to focus on everything you don't have. <laughs> It's got, it's got to be hard from your perspective because financial success and creative success are not necessarily the same and one doesn't necessarily lead to the other. There's plenty of, you know, full budget, multi-million dollar productions that creatively are success, but they sort of doom the mm-hmm. creators of the thing because, you know, it's not a financial success. So how do you square that in your in your head? I always think of Robert Downey Jr., right? He he does an Iron Man film so that he can go and do three indie films. And it, that's sort of a brilliant right. approach to, to his right. career. Do you have to square those two things? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's my Capricorn brain that's like, we, we want to be financially secure. And so, I mean, I own a marketing company, so I that's how I pay most of my bills most of the times to free myself up so that my art... I'm not desperate for my art to make my money. In my mind, yes, hypothetically, my future self will look like 
these things fusing, being financially secure and, you know, being paid as, as an artist, but at the same time. So I guess, yeah, something I should address is like, I created my company, my day job, if you will, I work my own hours, I set my own rates, right? I own that. Nobody else owns my time so that I can free myself up to be artistic and that that I never lose the love and the passion for the art because it's not paying my bills. So I have two things are true at the same time. I want to pay all my bills with artistic money. And also, if I don't, I'm still taken care of because I have other things that I'm good at, other things that I'm doing that keep the lights on so that I'm never feeling desperate for a role that I wouldn't normally take if it weren't, you know, for the money type of thing. I mean, I would say, yeah, sure, best case scenario, if your day job is the Marvel movie so that you can creatively do the indie things, that would be fantastic. Yes, I would love to make Marvel money, you know, in order to fund creative things, but some, you know, Oftentimes up and comers, we have, we have other things and uh, non sequitur, perhaps something that I actually encourage my artist friends to also go do that. Anytime somebody talks about like, Ooh, maybe I want to like start like an editing business. Like, Ooh, maybe I want to be a photographer. I'm like, yes, go do that. Like create your own financial independence separate from your art so that you never have to rely on that and it doesn't take away from the joy. And because I grew up with the narrative that if you're not a starving artist, you're not dedicated enough. Like if you're not eating, drinking and sleeping, acting at all time, if you're just not an actor every second of every day, then you are not a real actor. Bullshit. It's bullshit. We can be good at several things. We can earn money doing several things. That doesn't make us less dedicated as artists. So um, that's that spiel. (laughs) So if you want to do a trade, go do the thing. Like, don't let somebody else tell you, oh, if you own a business that's not acting, oh, you're splitting your brain, you're splitting your time, you're not really an artist. That's bullshit. So just let that go for whoever needs to hear that. But to come back to your actual question, Yes, my brain is a difficult place most times. So there are many (laughs) (laughs) dichotomous opinions floating around. So, yeah. It's funny because I I think back to, for In the Envelope, when we interviewed um, Maggie Gyllenhaal a few years ago, and Mm. she, she was talking about casting a show that she was producing there was something very attractive from a casting perspective about casting kind of assholes, right? They come in with uber confidence. They don't give a shit about booking the role. They do the thing, they walk out, and their confidence in their ability and the feeling that they know who they are, they don't have a sniff of desperation to them, is very attractive. And I'm not saying be an a-hole, but... (laughs) not tying your financial security to a role or to a project, you have so much more confidence and you elicit confidence in others because of that, that I think a lot of the time that does bring a certain cachet with you, you know. Um, So however you choose to do that, you know, that there's a sort of value in it, you know, having that sort of freedom. Yeah. And I think 
there's probably ways to be confident without being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There is. There are. But she, she went to an that, extreme but... <laughs> example. But, you know, like, yeah. she, she, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to paraphrase what she was saying. But, you know, listen to the episode. It's definitely, it's definitely yeah. a good episode. No, there, there, exactly. It, 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 you know, it's um, the starving artist thing. It's not cute. It's not a cute look. Everybody feels it, you know, you carry that energy yeah. around with you. And if you don't know anything about the world except acting, I'm sorry, that's fucking boring. Like, go get a hobby, like go be a human being, which will, of course, inherently positively affect your work because, you know, the more you can grow in that way. But it's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, sure, if you only do one thing, that's fine, I guess, if that works for you. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people do it. But when it comes to being an actor specifically and, and, and being an artist, you don't have to do one thing and it's nobody's business where you're getting your money and, you know, who who cares? Life is short. Do all the things, you know? Yeah, love that. All right, let's move on to Dan's interview. Um, yeah. What stood out to you about what Dan was saying? And it's so funny is I've actually said it myself, which is it was like mirrored back to me. So I was like, I think that too. I love <laughs> when he said, not being afraid to say, I don't know. Yeah. That is so powerful. It is such a powerful tool. And the other thing too is, you know, when you surround yourself with talented people, I, I like to surround myself with people who are better at what they do than I am at what I do so that I can, you know, learn. But it also gives other people a gift to be able to teach you. Uh, to be able to answer that question. Like, who doesn't like being needed? Who doesn't like knowing something? And then somebody asks and you're like, I actually know the exact answer to that. Like, yes, yeah. you know, it's just, so it's a little bit of a, a gift to to somebody else to say, I don't know, do you know? And they're like, actually, yeah, I do. And there's, there's, a, there's a humility in that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciated hearing that from him, I think more i think more people could maybe incorporate that concept but i know i i love that and the other thing too is like when you forgive me if i've already said this but maybe it's just like stuck in my brain when you surround yourself with people who are good at what they do and you've developed that trust between them the other thing is like as an indie filmmaker surrounding yourself with people who aren't going to look down on you for saying I don't know, because those people yeah. certainly exist, or people who don't have the patience for someone who's not afraid to say I don't know, you know, some some people are in their life or in their career, or where they don't want to teach, they don't want to, if you don't know, they don't want to be on that set, you know, they don't have time for that. But I know for myself, the DPs that I've worked with have always been fantastic partners in in the creativity where whether I'm directing or producing and it's just it's so lovely when you're able to connect with people and say hey what is this and just no judgment they answer your question <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. like, it's <laughs> Normal, so lovely yeah. <laughs> and then you know and if you if you don't make me feel stupid I'm probably going to remember what you said, you know, and I won't have to ask again, you know, if so, I think that's hugely, that's hugely valuable finding people who are willing to work with you at whatever stage you are, even if they're 
a few steps ahead of you. I know that was certainly the case when I was directing those those shorts before. Uh, my DP was an incredible partner uh, for me in the creative process, answered all of my questions very patiently, probably more than once. <laughs> um, but it made the work better. Uh, it made me a better filmmaker. You know, I think it, it feels good to be needed. It feels good to be an expertise in your field. And so to be able to like share that with somebody else in the moment feels good. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Dan, even at his level of success is still experiencing times when he doesn't know and is happy to, to say so. And I assume he also surrounds himself with incredible, you know, collaborators who aren't afraid to answer his questions or aren't mad <laughs> that he has a question. <laughs> Yeah. Well, kind of going off from that, obviously we know there's been bad behavior in Hollywood at the highest echelons, you know, but generally speaking, on set, you would have thought, and it sounds like this is generally the case, that people who behave badly and don't treat other people with respect, they're not going to rise through the ranks. So they're not going to reach that upper upper level, you would you would hope. But do you experience that at an indie level? Are there people that you just think, oh, God, they're never going to get anywhere with that attitude? Like, this is just, yeah. <laughs> again, you don't have to name names, of course. But, like, I, I guess it hasn't been weeded out <laughs> at the indie level yet. But it's only a matter of time, like, as you rise through yeah. the ranks. Yeah. I certainly, on every project, take a mental note of, who I do and don't want to work with again yeah. on every project. Uh, and uh, it's really exciting when you find the people you do want to work with again. I think people who have wounded inner children and haven't been to therapy, they're going to be assholes no matter what level they're at in their career. <laughs> you know, I, you know, people who I, I think that crew who are assholes probably aren't going to rise. I cannot say the same for actors, if I'm being honest. We all know them. Uh, <laughs> we've all seen them. Uh, they, you know, they've already done the trench work where they're already successful. And, and so there's a weird ego that comes with, oh, yeah, I can treat people like shit because I'm first bill. And it's like, I don't love that kind of human behavior. I don't want to be around that, you know. They're, they're less easily replaceable. Yes. So they can oh, behave well, but worse. <laughs> if they're the money, I don't know. I like to hope that when I get to some level of acclaim where my name is what's keeping the money together for a film, that I would be able to continue to exercise kindness and professionalism on set the same way that I do not being an A-lister right now. <laughs> You're going to run out of bridges to burn eventually if you behave like that, you know. I hope so. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, like to think so. Uh, I don't know if karma is real, but I have an inner fairness goblin where I like really want things to be fair in the world. And so for me, you know, I like to think that people will eventually hit a wall if they have bad behavior. <laughs> Whether or not that actually happens I have to release that end result, but I like to think. <laughs> uh, yeah. I certainly, you know, want to conduct myself in such a way that somebody walks away and says, yeah, I want to work with Kyle again, you know? Um, I know how good that feels when I feel that way about someone else that I've collaborated with. So, and especially when, you know, when you're on the up and coming level, you don't know who's going to break out first, 
right? And it's not in a way of like, oh, take advantage. It's like, no, treat people well and with kindness and with genuine spirit and connection, you know, because you don't know your friend who is suddenly a producer on whatever massive budget movie might be like, hey, you know what? I've got this person. They've, they're fantastic. Their resume might not look like these other people, but I guarantee you're going to love working with them. And you just don't know who of your peers that's going to be. And yeah. so um, it's just, I mean, at the end of the day, if nothing else, it's good business to be a good person. <laughs> yeah. And if you're spending two months of night shoots with people, you want to get on with them, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, so, as long as they can point the camera in the right direction, you know? <laughs> and also, hopefully, finding people that are still patient with me and still want to work with me, even after I'm exhausted and, and delirious and maybe not able to be my best self at all right. times. <laughs> that they're like, we yeah. have forgiveness. We know who you are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You've proven yourself. You're just a bit hangry. Uh, it's fine. You're just a bit hangry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but don't make, you know, being hangry your whole personality because I wouldn't no. I wouldn't want to work with that either. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, speaking about Dan, actually, he just directed Prey, which we talked about in the episode, and that is part of the Predator franchise. And you're working on Scream, the fan favorite. So that's, you know, within that sort of Scream world. So seamless transition. <laughs> um, tell us about that project. It's going to be uh, exciting. It was a lot of, you know tough shoot days at times. We are currently, uh, like I said, we have a finishing funds campaign up right now on Indiegogo. If anybody wants to support indie filmmaking, you can go to um, at Scream the Fan Favorite on Instagram or my production company at Pirate Girly Productions, girly with a U, and you'll find the link uh, to the campaign. Yeah, that is an interesting beast, right? Because so the director, Tyler, he wrote it, and his theme for the movie was about the horrors of the hustle and creating your own work, you know, and how difficult right. that is. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a, uh, you know, parallel. Yeah, oh, extremely <laughs> meta. Uh, parallel to our earlier conversation. But um, no, that's that's been a lot of fun. And, you know, this is the first time Tyler's directed anything, so he and I have been working very closely as partners throughout throughout this whole process and um it you know like i said before it being a gift when when you say i don't know something will you help me he's given me a few gifts um through this process of, of being able to share you know what i've um experienced as a producer and and um different ways of, of how to how to do things. So I feel I feel valued um, on on this production with all of the things that I'm doing. So we were shooting on location. We had our last day, I think we had three days at the location. It was the evening before our last day. Of course we're exhausted. And me and Tyler and uh, the DP Damon, we all um, bunked together at this Airbnb. So at the end of the night, we would like go through, you know, whatever happened that day and what we want to accomplish the next day. And our DP, whom I love, he had zero faith <laughs> that we could get everything on the page um, the next day. And I'm so happy to say that that I proved him wrong, <laughs> that we all proved him <laughs> wrong. But no, we we stayed up uh, the night before that last 
day on location and I hammered out, okay, these are the shots we're going to do. We were shooting inside of a house and uh, we had the windows blacked out so that you never knew what time it was so that if we needed to shoot during the day, but it was supposed to be nighttime, you know, we blacked out all the windows and stuff. But I was like, okay, this is how we're going to shoot. And we're going to shoot in clockwise formation around the house so that we're not bouncing between setups and whatever needs this light, we're going to shoot. And then whatever needs this light, we're going to shoot. And then just going around the house through all the rooms that we needed for those lighting setups and whatever we could prep ahead of time, prepping ahead of time. And, you know, I was telling him, you know, I can give you two hours for this. You've got half an hour for this. Uh, you've got four and a half hours for like this chunk. And because we sat there and, and sort of did that work and I was like, all right, we have no time to fuck around tomorrow when we get on set. Like actors, if you're not on camera, I need you in holding. You know, I need silence. <laughs> uh, you know, it was uh, it was the most structured shoot day that we had. And we shot 11 and 7 eighths pages in one day on that last day. And just for perspective, wow. if you're, you know, not a filmmaker or you don't know what that means, that is stupid. That is stupid ridiculous. On a really productive day, depending on the scene, you might get three to four pages and like six would be like, whoo, you did a lot that day, you know? And so that was one of those days where it was sort of like, okay, we can't have other perspectives and other opinions. It's got to be, what does the director want? How does a DP think we can do it? What is the lighting setup? And boom, boom, boom. And it was a massive feat. But, you know, it's, it's things like that where you don't have a choice. We don't have the money. We don't have the space for another day. It was that last day or nothing. And so on those types of situations, there's not like a budget to push or, oh, you know, let's change this, that and the other. You have to get it or you don't get it, you know. So that was rather, that was a fulfilling moment for me. So we are uh, in post-production now. We are working through the edit and... Uh, we're running the, the second crowdfund campaign to pay our uh, composer, uh, VFX, sound, and color. So that's what we are in need of uh, funds for finishing out. We didn't meet uh, our original crowdfunding goal, uh, which almost every filmmaker, indie filmmaker knows how that feels <laughs> when you don't mm. get all the money that you needed and wanted. They had a budget of, of 30000 and... I made the movie for 12. <laughs> so wow. that's what we got. But um, yeah, I think it'll, I think it looks great. I think it's going to sound great. And um, that'll be fulfilling when that's done. <laughs> well, as you were speaking there, I was just thinking about the sort of producer role and actually what Rachel was talking about with the relationship between a director and a producer and the, the various types of producers that they're out there. It sounds like you're wearing all of the producer hats <laughs> yes. in that in, in your film but <laughs> but like i didn't realize there was such a variation of producer roles you know in a, a major production yeah you know it sounds like you're particularly good at that as well like, <laughs> well i guess my brain worked out for that i guess yeah um it's funny because after being able to you know as i like to say wear 17 hats on this film i was thinking man 
imagine what I could do with a bigger team, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, imagine. Uh, and only having one hat. <laughs> and only having one hat. Yeah. What would that even feel like? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's not, you know, necessarily unique. I would say that I'm, I'm not only playing all of the producer, uh, many of the producer roles, but also other things as well, you know, coordinating lodging and transportation and locations and crafty and meals and COVID safety and set safety and props and wardrobe and set dressing and, <laughs> you know, so all those lovely titles too. <laughs> you got to make it work. You got to do what you have to do. Well, I mean, I can imagine that, you know, I don't know if you get called in for like Avengers 17, you know, <laughs> 2045, <laughs> whatever it is. And, and, you know, you're, you've got a one hat role. Okay. And then because you've done all those jobs and you, you know what the realities are, people aren't going to take the piss, you know, they're, they're going to, you're going to know when what you're asking is reasonable or unreasonable because yeah. you've been there. You right. Know. Right. Exactly. That's very true. That's, that's a good, that's a good perspective. Um, I don't know. Do I have to wait that long? 2045? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's again, it's something that I fell into that I found that. And the other thing too is, you know, with acting, you know, all actors know you do, ideally you do the audition and you throw it away. You forget about it. You know, you can't really it's tough, but you can't sit there and toil over it because most of the time you don't book the job, you know? Uh, and so you putting all of this effort and energy and, and, and time and artistry into, into, you know, a role. And nowadays you don't even necessarily get to go into a room. You have to put it on a tape and hopefully somebody watches it and it's just out there in the void and casting directors say they watch all the self tapes. I have difficulty believing that. Like at a certain point, if you if you see if you have seven to twelve excellent selections, are you really going to keep watching? I don't know. But anyway, they say they do, so we'll just take them at their word. But the point is, you put all of this out there, and most of the time, you hear nothing back. And with producing, every ounce of energy that I put in results in something. Every phone yeah. call I have, every meeting I have, every email I send, every decision that I make contributes directly to this film being made in a very tangible way. And I will say it is a different type of fulfillment than being an actor. And I think it's it's something that that I needed and that I continue to need uh, is to, you know, explore that that artistry in, you know, in, in multi-hyphenate ways. Uh, otherwise, you know, it it can be isn't it the definition of insanity? You know, you do the same thing over and over again and you hope for a different yeah. result. It's, there's a little bit of insanity in being an actor in just, you know, you yeah. have to be able to do the thing, give it your all and like, let it go and just not care somehow. Uh, it's just part of, it's just part of the, the gig. But um, yeah, doing these, you know, behind the scenes type of roles, as it were, is, is um, it's like, gosh, I could get addicted to you know, energy equals result. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's regaining that power, right? And when you're an actor, you're powerless. You're literally like yeah. at the whim of a casting person's mood yeah. you know, in many, in many yeah. instances. So having that power again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got to wrap this up. So what are your final thoughts on 
this week's episode anything that you want to leave our listeners with from an indie perspective maybe maybe speak to your fellow, fellow indie people. professionals yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean peers. yeah i mean again sort of being able to sit with yourself and however long that takes to define what success would look like to you as as a creative and and let that sort of guide your decisions uh, because sometimes the noise is helpful and sometimes the noise is not helpful. I would say also, it's not about striving to be fearless, but to feel afraid, but do the thing anyway. So I, yeah. you know, I, and I think that is a good empowerment exercise as well. Oh, I don't know if I can. Okay. Is it going to mentally or physically harm you if you try? Because if not, maybe you're like, you know what? Afraid and doing it anyway. And see see what comes of that. And I find that um, that's where a lot of my moments of, of growth happen. And, uh, you know, that, that that could be helpful for for other people. So I think that can be healing in a way, too, to identify, yeah, I am afraid of this, but I'm going to do it. And then you're like, oh. I just did that. That is so satisfying. No one else can give you that feeling. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciated the perspectives of Rachel and Dan, and I'm sure when I get to their level, my perspectives will also morph and change. But I appreciate that you, you know, reached out and want to explore what that looks like in the up and coming trenches. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I I appreciate the opportunity to speak on that, and I know that. Anything I've said is is just my experience, just my opinion, and other people will feel differently and think differently, and that's fine. And that's the yeah. other thing too, you know, is whatever advice anybody gives you, take what works and 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 leave what doesn't because it's so subjective. And the reality is, it's really tough. It's and the more you want it, the more you do, it just gets harder. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and so you got to you have to love it and, and give yourself grace when you're not your best self um, pursuing this this career because it's tough. But if you love it, you you have to do it. So um, I'm certainly in that in that place. I, ha I have to I have to do this. And I know a lot of my peers feel that that way, too. Yeah, that's what I would say to them. Love that. Love that. Well, finally, uh, where do people go if they want to contribute to Scream, the fan favorite? Absolutely. Um, you can go to at Scream, the fan favorite Instagram page. And in our link in bio, we have uh, the campaign link or my production Instagram at Pirate Girly Productions, girly with a U. And I also have uh, that link there as well on Scream stuff and uh, the other projects I've worked on. And, and if somebody wants to follow my personal Instagram, <laughs> it's Kyle M. Colucci, uh, K-Y-L-E-M as in Mary, C-O-L-U-C-C-I. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Soundstage Insider podcast. It was presented and produced by Jamie Muffet. Huge appreciation to Dan and Rachel for their honest, creative, insightful words here today. And if you'd like to learn more about them, check out the show notes for the various links. 
Don't forget to check out In the Envelope from Backstage, our sister podcast, which focuses on your favourite film, TV and theatre actors and their process and everything to do with acting. It's a really great show. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, we're Soundstage In on Twitter and Soundstage Insider on Instagram. And that's about it. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.